What's up, guys? How's it going? Hope you had a good week. Happy Friday to you. Hope you're ready for a fantastic weekend. And uh, we got some good fights to look forward to tomorrow. Some interesting fights. I'm most interested to see Jaime Munguia versus Gabe Rosado. I think that's going to be a really fun, interesting fight. As long as Rosado looks healthy in there. Uh, he is getting up there in age. He's had a lot of rough fights. And he hasn't fought at 160 in a while. So <clears throat> all those things considered, um, I get why Mungia and his team are, are taking this kind of challenge. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I'm looking forward to that one this weekend. Also, the lady fight between uh, Harper and Baumgartner. That's going to be a good fight. I'm telling you guys, um, if you're into women's boxing, that is a really good, tough challenge for Terry Harper. So I would definitely check that one out. That's the best fight on that card, male or female. Yeah, I said it. All right. Um, so we got one uh, comment here in the chat, a question from Aaron. What's up, Aaron? He says, uh, yo, Mike, can you talk about Tim Zhu's fight next Wednesday versus Takashi Inoue? Well, I'll talk about it a little more in detail on TNC Monday, but I like that matchup a lot for, for Zhu. Um, and I expect a breakout statement performance from him in that fight. So Inoue has fought most of his fights in Japan. I think he's had a couple like in, in Bangkok, um, Thailand, you know, a couple other areas around Asia, but most of his fights in Japan. But he had one fight here in America against Jaime Munguia when Munguia was still at 154. Lost a shutout. Lost every single round of that fight, but he did go the distance. Uh, but he was getting, you know, outboxed and outclassed by Jaime Munguia, who especially at that time was very, very sloppy with his technical boxing. So with when I look at Tim Zhu, he's much better fundamentally, at least right now he is, uh, versus where Munguia was at that time. And he also, I think, is just more explosive. He's a more explosive puncher, a more athletic guy. So I expect him to stop in a way late in that fight. I think it'll be fun. In a way, it's tough. The Japanese fighters, man, they always bring it. They're always super, super tough. But I think I expect Zhu to stop him. I really, really do. I think it's going to be um, uh, a, a statement performance from the kid. Kouster asks, uh, are there any low blows in women's boxing? I'm going to leave that alone, my friend. We're just going to, we're just going to let that one go. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to respond to that. <clears throat> Cause there's a million different ways I could go, but pretty much any way I go is going to trigger people. All right. Uh, before I get into my spiel guys, I want to, uh, show you this t-shirt here. Hopefully I can hold this up right. Uh, Feet First Foundation, right? Check that out. Feet First Foundation. And then in the back, uh, the WBC is a sponsor, WBC Cares Program, which, again, does a lot of charitable work and deserves credit for it because of all the major sanctioning organizations. They're the only ones who do. Not shilling, just telling the truth, guys. Feet First Foundation, who are they? Well, uh, first of all, I give a shout-out to Lukey Boxing for, for sending this to me because uh, he wanted to make me aware of this group and uh, i'm going to share my screen real quick want to show you guys what they do because it's pretty freaking awesome man so um make sure you guys can see yes you can see here we go uh so i want to invite you to check out this site feet first foundation it is uh, their site is feet first np so feet first np the letters np.org you can see it there on my screen but it's oh actually you can't see the site uh, the address. So let me just spell it real quick. Okay. F E E E T. So feet first 
F-I-R-S-T, and then the letter is N-P. That's Nancy Peggy, NP.org. Okay, so uh, this organization uh, works with kids, and they basically try to improve uh, mental health with kids and, and establish uh, confidence and things like that through boxing which I think is awesome. You see right here, the mission statement, improving mental health. We improve mental health through boxing, exercise, and group discussion, right? And then I'm going to show you a couple other uh, parts of their mission statement. Uh, the key to feet first is developing a connection between the physical body and our spirit. And then uh, it also says the foundation students gain from feet first helps them become upstanding members of their communities. And here on their site, guys, uh, you could go, and you can find out more about the WBC partnering with them. That's here. But you can also learn all, more about them, board of directors. They have a certification program where they'll teach you their program and you can teach it to your kids. So anybody watching or listening to this that works at a school or a youth group, a church, any sort of community event like that with kids, um, and you want to check this out, please let me know. These guys are on social media. They're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I gave you their site, but if you need any more information, DM me and I'll get you in touch with these guys. Okay. They're doing some pretty awesome stuff. Anything where you're introducing boxing to kids in a positive group environment like this, which is something that we don't do enough in this sport, I think is awesome. And, you know, you think of a, a boxing gym and the culture at boxing gyms, a lot of times it's very um, intimidating for a kid, right? But in this setting where you're kind of taking the boxing to the kids at their school, at whatever it is, again, church, youth group, whatever it is, you're taking it to them and it's in a group setting. I think that makes it a lot more open and comfortable. And um, I think the kids will be will respond to it quicker uh, in this sort of environment. So I think this is a really cool 21st century idea that these guys are, are bringing here working with the kids. So make sure you guys check that out. Wanted to give those guys a shout. Okay. Um, let's see here. I'll check a couple more comments. Um, Timmy Turner in the chat says, in a way is inevitable. Uh, next undisputed champion can't be denied unless guys are ducking, which happens a lot in boxing. I assume we're talking about Naoya in a way, different in a way. I was talking about Takashi in a way uh, up front who was, who was fighting Tim Zhu next week. But uh, I agree with Naoya in a way. That dude is a monster. I, I think they call him that, right? And um, it, it really is just a matter of time. The only thing that's disappointing is his activity level. But fighting out of Japan with, you know, the COVID thing and everything, um, you know, it's understandable. Kostra says, punching someone in the thighs and hips would be effective. <laughs> Cunt jokes aside, I was being serious. All right, I, I, I'm leaving that alone, man. Sam on the chat says, did you hear about the Triller card with the triangle ring in Arlington, Texas? KO tickets invited me. Sounds interesting. No kicks or wrestling. No, I didn't hear about that at all. Uh, send me a DM with some info on that because that's crazy, man. Um, it says also Metallica playing on Triller that night. I've heard that they're doing like a rock uh, Triller card because I think all the Triller cards have been like pop. And like rap, like pop rap, um, rap is pretty much pop. Um, so yeah, I, now I heard that I heard they are doing like a rock one, but I don't know if this is the one, but, um, yeah, I honestly don't know, man. So send me some info on that. <clears throat> Rockstar says you keeping well, Mike. Yeah, I'm keeping well, man. 
Uh, it's been a rough week or so for me. Uh, those of you who you know know my story know why. It's it's uh, it's a rough time of year for me and my family, but we're doing fine, man. We are doing just fine. Twal says, no Nito ain't ducking in a way. Hell no, he ain't. No Nito don't duck anybody. <clears throat> okay. That's uh, Papa Chubby says, uh, long live MLB. Hell yeah, baby. Uh, you know, speaking of which, I should remind you guys, we still have these right here. Uh, MOBTs. So if you're interested in one of these, now I know a lot of you guys overseas, it's hard to get these right now because of shipping and stuff like that. But of all the supply chain issues going on right now in America, hey, no supply chain issues here. We still got MOBTs. We can get them out to you um, for for the most part. Again, some of you guys in certain parts of the world, it's going to be difficult right now. Uh, I know we, we had a ton of, of, of huge response in Australia. And I just can't send them out right now. I hope that changes soon. But just a reminder, guys, make sure that you check us out um, if you're interested in MOBT. <clears throat> okay. Oh, we got a super chat from CJ. CJ, thanks so much, man. He says, uh, starting to get a buzz in the city for Bud versus Showtime Sean Porter. Salute to MOB crew. And that photo from your Marine days was wild, bro. Salute. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, if you guys follow me on social, I posted a uh, a photo when I was, uh, I, was I 18, 19? I might have been 19, but I was home at my mom's house for leave. And, uh, man, I was skinny as shit. I was like 178, 178, six foot three. I've maybe grown an inch since then. I'm like six foot four. And, um, you know, right now, shit, I'm 220. So I put like 40 pounds on most of it muscle, most of it. But, uh, yeah, CJ, I'm curious what kind of, um, you know, so, you know, let's just talk about the pay-per-view numbers. Let's just jump into this because you brought up Crawford Porter, you know, that fight, the way it does commercially, people are going to be looking at that because it's going to kind of serve as a benchmark, right? Because let's say Crawford and Porter does 600,000 pay-per-view buys. I don't see that happening, but let's say it does. If that happens and people say, man, the boxing pay-per-view market has rebounded and it's healthy right now. Canelo just did 800,000 versus a, a fighter that nobody really knew. And now Crawford and Porter, who are not really big household names, man, they just did 600,000 or something. Um, but let's say it does 300,000 or 400,000. I, I think right around four to 500 maybe is where it, it winds up. It's going to show Canelo's level. You know, it, it's going to be seen, it's going to be used as a benchmark for Canelo to negotiate future fights if he wants to do business with PBC and maybe do a fight with Benavidez or something like that. You know, he can look and say, look, man, your, your Crawford Porter pay-per-view, that did, you know, 400,000. I doubled that fighting Caleb Plant. And Caleb Plant was not nearly as well-known as Terrence Crawford or Sean Porter. So it's however it lands in terms of pay-per-view sales, it is definitely going to be used as a benchmark for future negotiations. And um, depending on how it goes, certain fights might get made or might not get made. If it actually does north of half a mil, then perhaps next year we actually get the Crawford and Spence fight. I do think Crawford's going to beat Sean Porter, by the way. I actually think it's going to stop him late. I think it's very possible. Wouldn't shock me if it goes to a distance, of course. But I think he's going to stop Sean Porter late. I just got this feeling. Um, anyway, so that is going to be interesting to see. 
I do think it's going to do a good crowd. I do think it's going to sell tickets. Uh, Porter has fought everywhere and and been a part of some big fights in recent years. But it, Terrence Crawford, his fans will travel to Las Vegas, uh, particularly this time of year with what's coming up and everything. The only thing is, you know, the holidays are coming up and people are strapped for cash. Inflation's going through the roof. I, I saw somewhere it's over 6%. So unless you're getting a 6% raise this year at work, you got a pay a pay decrease this year uh, because of inflation. So I don't know, man. You know, I, but I still do think that Terrence Crawford's fans will travel well to Vegas for that fight, and I think it'll do a good gate. Um, Nacho says, Mike, quit lying. That forty pounds is all Yoki and Borsch, along with Peroni. It might be a little bit of that. Most mostly Yoki, though. Okay, mostly Yoki. But uh, man, Yoki's good. And hey. I had lasagna last night, homemade lasagna, and it was really, really freaking good, man. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about um, the Canelo and Caleb Plant pay-per-view numbers because uh, EPT Rotor Sport, uh, he said right here in the chat, heard it hit 800,000. Yes, that's what's being reported. That's what I've heard from reliable sources, and now multiple people have tweeted about it, right? So 800,000 pay-per-view buys now for you math geniuses this was an 80 dollars pay-per-view so if you times 80 by eight hundred thousand, you get 60 64 million so off the top okay that's a good number however as i've explained to you guys many times you essentially have to whack that number in half now it's not exactly 50 percent. every deal is a little bit different the distributors and everything else but um What's interesting to me is I saw some numbers today from Twitter um, where people are saying this was $80 million in revenue. It might even break $100 million. So let's back that up. Okay, let's say this thing did, you know, I just said 800,000 times 80, that's 64. Let's go ahead and bump that up to 70 million, okay? And then we can factor in foreign TV money. Of course, there's the, the live gate, the ticket sales. Uh, merchandising and sponsorships and all that. Let's go ahead and just beef it up to a hundred million. I don't think it's, it will be, but let's just do it. Okay, hundred million dollars. Uh, people are forgetting the cost associated with everything. Okay, half of that pay per view revenue gone to the distributors, to the cable providers. So that sixty four, let's call it seventy million. That's whacked in half. So again, let's be generous. Let's say that's whacked down to forty. And then let's say maybe we get another 20 million net in foreign TV sponsorships, merchandising, the live gate, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think it's going to be quite that much, but let's be generous. So let's call it 60 million. When you have 50 million in guaranteed purses for the main event, there goes 50 mil. So now you're left with 10 mil. And perhaps, and again, I'm being very, very generous, perhaps that's revenue. This would be a profitable show. But um, what's interesting to me is that the guys on Twitter, the, the, the handful of media guys that do the bulk of the American reporting, breaking news, and have the biggest accounts, right? There's four or five guys, if that. And you know, most of them are these older dudes, been around the game for a long time. A couple of them are younger, and they have sources, right? They have an agent that leaks information to them. They are... Only reporting the gross deposits. 
And I see this increasingly uh, with pay-per-view revenue. It used to be 10, 20 years ago when pay-per-views routinely, I shouldn't say routinely, but several times a year, you saw pay-per-views go north of a million during the Floyd and Manny era. Uh, you know, pretty much Floyd could fight anybody at one point and do a million, even Manny before he he took a couple of hard losses. There was a while there where he could fight anybody, but particularly if he fought a popular Mexican fighter because he had rivalries with several uh, Mexican fighters, you know, he could do right around a million pay-per-view buys himself. And, um, you know, it wasn't it, half a mil or more was very, very common, very common. Right. So um, the, the the way guys reported that was, Okay, well, here's the gross, but here's the net. Half of that's whacked up between the cable company. And, and they would actually report the honest truth about it and then talk about the cost and purse associated. They would do a little extra work and relay that kind of information to the fans. Uh, I don't see that type of reporting much anymore, particularly from certain uh, media outlets here in the United States, media members, especially those who have cozy relationships with premier boxing champions and people at PBC. Um, it's just interesting how that's kind of changed. And I think it's because people are so desperate for that huge pay-per-view show that transcended and broke through you know, and all of that. Um, but I just want a little bit of truth in reporting. This, this, let, me, let me be clear. This was a successful show. This was a successful promotion, Canelo Plant. But now... What I'm seeing, and I think part of reporting the gross revenue instead of the net and, you know, talking about the, the costs associated and stuff is, well, there's a couple things, okay? For one, it's it's an awesome headline to say, this thing is going to do $100 million in revenue, right? That sounds way cooler than saying, this thing is going to do about $55 million in net revenue, and then $50 million goes out to the two main event fighters and half a mil or so to the undercard fighters, uh, that doesn't sound as sexy, but that 100 million number, right? And that gross number, and then they start adding it up against all the other pay-per-view shows. And you then you see that top 25 list that comes out all the time, right? And everyone swings their dick and measures. They pull out the rulers and measure their dick and shit to see where it stacks on that list. They never adjust for inflation, mind you, when they talk about the gross receipts. Uh, when they talk about the buys, um, Sometimes they include the price. Sometimes they don't. All There's just a little trickery in the way things are reported. But what I'm seeing particularly today on Twitter that I just found hilarious is that there are people out there pretending like this was Al Heyman Jedi magic that pulled this off and made this do 800,000 pay-per-view buys. It was Caleb Plant promoting the fight, right? And this is evidence that Canelo Alvarez needs to sign with PBC because they, more than any other promotional outfit, know how to promote this sport and put on the biggest, baddest events. There's almost like this selective memory that earlier, people had just completely forgot that earlier this year, Canelo Alvarez fought a very widely unknown UK fighter in Texas and did 70,000 plus tickets. He sold, I think it was 73,000 tickets to fight Billy Joe Saunders, right, in Texas. Um, that was not a fight that the boxing world was clamoring for, right? And hardly anybody outside of diehard boxing uh, fans here in the United States knew who the hell Billy Joe Saunders were. Now, 
there were more American sports fans who knew who Caleb Plant was, particularly people in the Nashville, Tennessee area. He had headlined a couple of shows on FS1 and even on Fox against the Subway Dude, I think it was. Um, those didn't do amazing numbers, but they did like north of a million uh, views. So most of that is boxing fans, but there were probably some Nashville casual sports fans tuning in. Oh, he's from Nashville, stuff like that, right? Or people who knew the Subway Dude. Like, hey, I want to see the Subway Dude fight. So they tuned in. So, okay, fair enough. More people knew about Caleb Plant here in the States than knew about Billy Joe Saunders. But the common theme here is Canelo Alvarez. He fought Avni Yildirim in Florida earlier this year. I was there for that fight. They had limited seating capacity per the, the uh, COVID rules that were still in effect at that time. And based on the seating limitations and everything that they had at that time, they still did a very good crowd. That, that card had a shit undercard. And it was Caleb Plant versus a guy who was even less known than Billy Joe Saunders, let alone Caleb Plant. And it still did a good crowd there in, in Florida. The, the common denominator here, guys, is Canelo Alvarez. It doesn't matter if he's with Eddie Hearn or Al Heyman or Bob Arum, HBO, Showtime. He's the guy. He's the premier brand in this sport. And he's at a point where he can fight just about anybody and do a massive, massive number, whether it's at the gate in terms of dollars in Vegas, because you can gouge uh, for ticket prices in Vegas, or numbers, butts in seats in a place like Texas or even Florida. Or if, if he goes back to California, if you ever fought in, in L.A. again uh, or the L.A. area, he'd do big numbers there. Same thing. This guy did a crowd in New York. He did a big crowd in New York. He's the guy in the sport. And I really, truly feel, you know, you know back up a, a few years ago, the, the biggest brand in the sport was still Canelo, but he was right there neck and neck with Anthony Joshua. It was like 1A and 1B. And I used to argue with the British fans a lot because they were like, hey, white mate, what about AJ? He's up there too. And I'd be like, I know, I know. I get it. He sells tickets. He sells. He could sell 100,000, right? His fight with Vlad did a record crowd. They had to order extra buses. I want to say the mayor of London had to order extra like subway trains and buses and kept them open later to, for just because of the, the demands of the crowd for that fight. I got you. But from that time to now, AJ's had a couple of hard losses. And it's maybe some... some uh, not choice words, things that he said that were politically divisive and things that have upset some fans, some social media posts, things like that. Canelo, however, his brand has continued to grow. And specifically in the post-COVID pandemic era, okay, I'm talking about over the last 12 months, basically. Can you guys name one other high-level fighter that's fought more than twice? I can't. Most of them have only fought once. Some of them have not fought at all. Gennady Golovkin hasn't fought at all. Right? He hasn't fought at all in 2021. And there's several other fighters I could name. Tiafima Lopez. Bright young star. After he beat Lomachenko, it looked like the world was about to be his. He hasn't fought. 
But even the guys who have fought, it's been once, maybe twice. Canelo Alvarez has fought four times. And I truly think that consumers right now are starved for content. People are starved for good movies, good TV, good sports action, right? Especially like live stuff that they can tune into. And you give them a good product, especially right now when most of the product being put out is dog shit, not just in boxing, but across the board, okay? But specific to boxing. This summer, a lot of what boxing fans got was a steaming hot pile of dog shit. So they've started to get some good product to look at in the last couple months. And this was a big product in the, in the sense that it was Canelo Alvarez, the biggest fighter in the sport, biggest brand, going up to fight for an undisputed super middleweight championship. Now, how many fans that bought this pay-per-view gave a shit which sanctioning organizations were involved or which promoter was involved or even where the fight was? They cared who was fighting, and they didn't care about the undercard or the opponent. They cared about Canelo. Why do I say that? Because, again, I go back to the Billy Joe Saunders example, where he does 70-plus thousand in Texas. How many guys from Billy Joe Saunders' part of the world, right, a traveler from the U.K., live in Texas? There's not a big contingency there of that fan base. That was all Canelo, right? Avni Yildirim, again, with all the complications around COVID and everything else going on still at that time, look at the crowd he did, right? His fight late last year, look at the crowd that did. You add all this together, it's not really a, a magic potion or magic formula, guys. It's pretty simple. You take the biggest brand in the sport, you have them fighting often, people show up. Holy shit. I, dude. David Portnoy of Barstool Sports isn't exactly a boxing guy. I don't even know if he could name three of the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world, okay? He is the definition of a casual. He covered Canelo's last few fights. He reported on them. He tweeted about it. This dude has millions of followers. So all the, the, the guys following Barstool Sports saw video of Canelo. Billy Joe Saunders, they saw pictures of the 70 plus thousand fans there. Okay. That, I believe, that sort of reporting from that crowd of the Billy Joe Saunders fight and other recent Canelo fights is a huge part of what sold this pay per view against Caleb Plant, more so than Caleb Plant or any of the sanctioning groups or whatever network or network of executives or promoters were involved with this. It was Canelo and the mass media paying attention to him because he's been in the public eye where other fighters and a lot of other sports people in general, not, I'm just not even talking about fighters, have been mostly on the sidelines over the last 12 months or so. So like to see the mental gymnastics some people are doing on Twitter, Trying to make this like a huge win for Al Heyman and the PBC. It, it was them who did this and made this happen. Dude, what the fuck are you guys smoking? Now, if this fight were on DAZN, 
would it have had as many eyes? Globally, globally, yes, I believe so. Actually, globally, I think it would have had more eyes because the zone is in over a hundred countries now. However, in the United States, would it have gotten in front of as many eyes? That is a fair question. And you can absolutely make an argument. We don't have the actual data science to look at, but you could make a very compelling argument that this fight being on Showtime or Fox or ESPN, what have you, CBS, name a network, a major American network got more eyes on it from the casual observer. Okay, I'll give you that. Globally, I don't know. Because I know a lot of you guys overseas, you can't order Showtime. <laughs> if you live in Bangladesh, I don't know if the zone's in Bangladesh. If you live in New Zealand or Australia or something, you can't order Showtime pay-per-view, right? So you guys had to go through other methods. Now, it was distributed on other networks and stuff, and that's where that foreign TV money comes in. But if this was on the zone, I don't know. Maybe it would have done just as much, potentially more global viewership. I'm just putting it out there. It's worth exploring and considering and thinking about. But domestically, yeah, I think it being uh, part of the, the Showtime CBS machine helps get it out there. But let's make no mistake, guys. It's Canelo selling the fight. If it did 800,000 buys, at least 700,000 of them came from Canelo. Now, you could say, well, when, when – uh, when Caleb Plant fought the subway dude, over a million people watched. Yeah, the same million people that pretty much watch every fucking fight if nothing else is on. Let's be honest. Now, I understand not every fight on Fox does a million views anymore. Uh, some of them do 300, 400,000. So it's it's not, you know, I'm not trying to diminish the, the, the little bit that Caleb Plant did bring to the table. And I should add, Caleb Plant did a very good – he did his part, right? He got into the shoving match with Canelo at the press conference. Uh, he, he talked a lot of trash. He did a ton of media work for this event. So he worked his ass off promoting it, and he deserves credit for that. But can we just be honest? For five fucking minutes on Boxing Twitter and in the American Boxing Press, can we just be honest? Canelo Alvarez is who sold this fight. He's the guy. And it's really Canelo Alvarez in the field. There are a few other guys that sell tickets and in their, their home country uh, do big, big numbers. But right now, it's Canelo, and he's far above Anthony Joshua. Sorry, but it's the truth. And everybody else now. Anthony Joshua has lost ground in the last year or so. Canelo has gained ground in terms of being the guy in the sport. That doesn't mean that AJ isn't a massive star, because in the UK, he is. Gennady Golovkin is going to fight Ryota Murata uh, late in December in Japan. That is a huge event over there, guys. Murata's a big star over there. That's like the Super Bowl in Japan. And there's several events like this I could point to throughout the year uh, that you get every year now that are big in their corner of the world. But in terms of who's bringing in the dollars and really carrying the sport, we know that's Canelo Alvarez. And for anybody to uh, try to spin it, and try to make it look like this was some PBC magic. I, it's just, it's funny to me, man. Um, I think uh, I think that there's like this enchantment that certain people get with PBC for some reason. There's certain members of the American boxing press, um, and you guys know the names, 
that are kind of enchanted and bewitched. Like there's just this lore to them of these events because it's happening in America with an American promoter and an American promoter that they're kind of cozy with. And they just don't think bigger than that. Uh, I don't, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Weird. Trey is on the chat. What's up, Trey? Oh, for some reason, it's not letting me, not letting me click on your comment. But uh, Trey says, oh, there it is. I know that shirt. Hell yeah, baby. Crunk. My man, Trey got me this shirt, guys. What's up, Trey? Good to hear from you, man. I hope Lauren's doing good. Hope the kids are doing well, my man. But yeah, um, this is already like my favorite shirt right now. I've already worn it a couple times this week. I did wash it in between wears. <laughs> uh, Nacho says, Mike, not for long. That Portnoy asshole is a Raleigh Romero trouble right now. I, I don't know anything about the dude, Nacho. I do know that apparently, from what I've read, all that shit was completely fabricated, and he's going to slaughter the people that came after him because it's a, a total like hit piece, apparently. The, the Raleigh Romero stuff, I don't think he's anything like Raleigh, from what I've read, but I don't know the guy. I really don't. <clears throat> all right. Christopher Otto with an interesting comment. Uh says, promoters are very selective of which fighters they actually promote. Ain't that the damn truth? You know, I was I was tweeting back and forth today, and I've talked about this before on my show, about um, Jerron Boots Ennis. He's had, I think, 27, 28 fights now, something like that. And uh, I, I don't know how many have been in Philly, but maybe only a handful. Imagine if you took a fighter like Boots, right, from Philly, and you did his first you know, 25 of his first 28 fights or whatever in Philly. And maybe at first you're only selling a thousand tickets, but you can quickly build up to where you're selling 2000, 3000, et cetera, to where by the time he's ready to fight for a title, you can legitimately sell eight, maybe 10,000 in his hometown. And you very quickly start doing the math and you can see where you can build money right there uh, with the live gate. Then you take him to Vegas and stuff. But a lot of these promoters, man, they, they take their shows, they take their prospects and build them up in like these casinos in Biloxi, Mississippi, or in like North Dakota and places like that, because they're getting a site fee. It might only be five grand or 10 grand, but it's enough to pay everybody because, you know, basically the, the top prospect that's fighting in the main event, he's getting eight grand of that money and then everyone else is whacking up the other two or three, five grand or whatever it's going to be. Um, if these guys were smart, I mean, think about it this way, guys, especially with American prospects, the first 10 to 20 fights they fight are against very limited opposition. They're showcase fights. So if you've got a showcase opponent, put them out in the, in the hometown, right? Take, take your fighter, build them up in their hometown. And I just think if more promoters took that approach, um, you'd have developed brands. You know, um, a, a guy like Caleb Plant, now, now it's different because he's fought Canelo. So he's fought the man that got him all this attention. But even before that, Caleb Plant should, should have been able to do, you know, 10, 15,000 in Nashville. And, you know, uh, Sean Porter's from Ohio. He should do numbers there. Keith Thurman from Florida. He should do numbers there. Danny Garcia from Philly. He should do numbers there. You just don't see these, these guys built up in their hometown. Uh, top rank does it pretty well. I thought they, they've done a good job of several fighters building them up in their hometown. Golden boy is very intelligently put on Virgil Ortiz. Uh, he has had him fought in Texas several times. PBC, you know, they have had Charlo and stuff fight in Texas a little bit, 
But man, th- those guys, like every year, one of the Charlo fights, you know, because they're only going to fight twice a year, right? One of those fights should be in Houston, not Dallas, not San Antonio, Houston. That's where they're from, right? It just, I, I don't understand the way these promoters think. Um, it's, it's just easier to get the TV money or, or the, the rights deal with the casino or whatever it is, um, you know, built in to where you can get your guys paid and stuff. Promoters need to promote more, but also it's a two-way street. Fighters need to promote more. And the, the fighters have to be willing to play the long game and maybe take some short money up front. The problem is, man, a lot of these promoters come in and they promise these fighters the, the, these these paydays that they're not worthy of. because and, and sometimes they go out of their pocket, the promoters do up front, because they know they're going to get that big payday on the back end. You know, they're going to build them up into a, a big title fight or whatever. I mean, you just look at the lottery ticket that Caleb Plant and his team won against Canelo Alvarez. Um, you know, PBC made a ton of money on, on Plant and everything uh, through this fight. Although, well, I don't even know on their side how much they're going to profit with Caleb Plant specifically because they got to pay him $10 million, but they get a bunch of that back in advisor fees and whatnot. So anyway, on and on it goes. Um, we can argue this back and forth, but it is interesting to me that, you know, we have this big country of 300-plus million people in all these big cities, and you got fighters from all these different areas. If you built these guys up in their hometowns, to where they could imagine if we had a dozen, maybe even 20 American fighters that could do 10,000 tickets in their hometown. The sport would be so much healthier here in America. And then you could have, you know, uh, regional rivalries and things like that. It would open up so many doors. It's the kind of thing you see over in the UK with the way Matchroom promotes over there. Uh, it's very intelligent. And every time I bring that up, how they do that, people here say, oh, well, this market's different. Well, it's not that different. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you build up a guy um, in San Francisco and you have a popular San Francisco fighter and you have a popular LA fighter, when those two guys finally fight, that's a big California fight, right? And then the winner of that fight against a big New York fighter, oh shit, now we got a coast-to-coast rivalry and on it goes. Uh, I just think that the promoters could do better with that sort of thing. Anyway... Uh, Rockstar in the chat says, uh, Caleb is going to disappear for a year and a half and enjoy his 10 mil. That dude isn't going to do anything. I don't know. I'm very curious to see what Caleb Plant does from here. Because if Caleb Plant, let's just say, uh, comes back, I don't know, next spring, fights two or three times next year, kind of milks the momentum from this fight because he got his name out there a lot with this fight right now he's a he's a name people know him he fights three times in 2022 wins the fights and is exciting and ends up getting a title because at some point canelo is going to get stripped or he's going to leave the division everything gets broken up maybe maybe plant even moves up to 75 i don't know and he ends up winning another world title ends up beating some other top contenders after canelo beats benavidez Maybe Plant fights Benavidez and he beats him, you know, something like that. He could go on from here and do something. Um, and he could prove a lot of us wrong. But Rockstar, the chat, I tend to agree with you. A lot of these guys right now, and I've, this is something I talk about a lot, they just kind of wait for the Canelo lottery, the Golovkin lottery. They're just kind of sitting back and waiting for that big opportunity. And even if they come up short, they're going to make career high money 
in that fight anyway. So they don't really seem to give a shit. And like, that's just crazy to me. Um, it's not, it's not difficult it, right now at 160. Golovkin's the money man. He's 40 years old. Okay. And he hasn't fought in forever, but he's about to fight. And his fight with Murata is going to be very competitive and very exciting. The styles and everything, the atmosphere of it, it's going to bleed through the TV screen. That's going to be one of the f- more fun, exciting events of this year. And that's going to put him back in high demand going into 2022. If I'm Andre, and I'm Charlo, I'm creating as much demand as I can to get that fight. But they're not doing that. They're sitting around and bitching and they're, and they're crashing press conferences and stuff. And that's just kind of the world we live in right now in, in the sport. Uh, Greenbaz says Moderna or Pfizer, which do you recommend Dr. Montero? Uh, either one of those over the Johnson and Johnson, I'll say that. But um you know, the difference between the two, really, the only difference, there's a lot more of the active drug, the amount of it in the Moderna one. The Pfizer one, there's less. So if you're a little iffy still on this whole thing and whether you want to do it or not, and you'd rather get a lower dosage, do the Pfizer. If you want to nuke the hell out of your immune system, get the Moderna. That's what Dr. Montero has to say. Hmm. Mitch says Mike's draw in Fresno is pretty weak though. Mike who? Oh, Mikey's you're talking about. Yeah. Mikey's was pretty weak in Fresno. Here's the thing, Mitch. First of all, Mikey Garcia, less and less fans are giving a shit about him these days. He's not active. He doesn't fight anybody that, uh, you know, he's not in compelling fights. He avoided the Lomachenko fight. He avoided, I'm going to say flat out duck the Jorge Linares fight. Um, so like people have kind of caught up people like me have been saying it for years, but even now people that really supported Mikey and went to great lengths to support him have caught up and people just weren't willing to travel up there or whatever, or, or go see Mikey fight um, because they just kind of tuned him out, man. So that's more on Mikey, but California is a big place, dude. You could be a brand in Fresno. That don't mean you're going to sell shit in Los Angeles. It's a big state. It's pretty much a country, you know, it's its own country. It's kind of like Texas. Texas is very, very similar. Um, just because you're big in, let's say, Austin, doesn't mean you're going to sell out in Dallas. So think of it that way. Uh, <laughs> Green Bus says, Canelo versus Usyk at 190, who you got? Well, I don't think Usyk can make 190 right now. I think that he would literally die. But I, I think Usyk would... I mean, if somehow he could, would absolutely destroy Canelo. It just, size matters, dude. That's too much. That's way too much. <clears throat> too much of a size difference, man. All right. Let's see. What else in the chat? Yeah, I just, I hope I made my point and I don't come off as being, a, you know, being overly critical of the PBC. It's really not them. It's it's some of their allies in the American media and some of the names I see like trying so hard to make this thing more than it is and just just stay in the realm of reality and just talk about everything truthfully because it's good enough. The, the truth here is good enough, okay? If you really crunch the numbers, it was a profitable show. And it was, um, Caleb Plant did a good job 
getting in the fight with Canelo at the press conference, I think helped. It got the mainstream media talking. Um, and, and I think that they, I know they were going up against the UFC card. I, I get that. But the UFC card that they went up against wasn't huge stars or big brands. They weren't going up against a Masvidal or a McGregor or a Jones, you know, those kinds of fighters, right? They were going up against um, uh, guys who don't sell very well. And then, look, baseball's done. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with the NBA or NHL or any of that, but there wasn't it wasn't overloaded with sports competition. You know, uh, Canelo Alvarez now on a weekend where there's not like a Super Bowl going on or another huge star fighting, he's going to own a big chunk of that weekend, man. He's become that guy. He really has start to break through to the mainstream. I've seen uh, just just social media outlets, uh, popular social media people that don't normally talk about boxing, talk about him. I mentioned the Barstool Sports earlier. Just think of platforms like that that are kind of just clickbaity platforms, getting people to click on their little social media links and talk about it. So people like that talk about Canelo now. So that tells me he has broken through to a certain extent. So he's going to sell the show, right? Um, and then they, they try to market this thing as this uh, historic event. And maybe that worked for some people, but I really don't even think that angle had a big, you know, was a big reason why it sold so well. I just think it was, it's, it's Canelo. He's, he's the guy now. He really is. He's the new Floyd Mayweather. And he's learned to manipulate the business of boxing to his benefit as uh, Floyd did. And um, still to a certain extent continues to do uh, with Gervonta Davis to a smaller extent. So Canelo, whoever he fights from here, it's going to be big business. The question is, where does his next fight go? Um, you know, if, if Showtime and PBC, they have Benavidez, who, by the way, fights tomorrow and is going to win. He should win. They have him. And that's an all-Mexican showdown, a Mexican-American versus a Mexican national. That would be an interesting fight. And I think most people in the boxing world would look at that as the top challenge for Canelo at 68, unless somebody like Bevel moves down or someone like Golovkin moves up or Charlo or someone like that. So, so um, I do think it's marketable and I think they could put that right back in Vegas and it will do a much bigger crowd than Canelo's fight with plant did. And I think it'll do possibly North of a million pay-per-view buys. I really think that if they can market Caleb plant and fool people into thinking Caleb plant had a chance in this fight and he was some big challenge and this star in the sport, they're going to be able to market the fuck out of Benavidez. He's way more marketable in, in the modern American boxing climate than Caleb Plant is. What cracks me up is that some people live in the 1950s still, and they really, really thought that certain angles that they could push with Caleb Plant would make him this marketable guy. It's like, no, actually, he's got to prove himself twice as much as a lot of his peers in the modern political climate. That are the modern boxing political climate we have in this country. So um, I think Caleb Plant versus David Benavidez next year, hopefully that could happen in the spring. But hopefully what we don't see is Canelo take a backseat or a backward step, I mean, and start fighting and go right to another Avni Yildirim. He says he wants to take time off. The, the four time, the four fights next year thing ain't happening. Okay, he's probably going to go back to twice a year. 
I'm cool with that. If like the May fight is Benavidez and the September fight is a Bivol or Perturbiev or Charlo or somebody like that, then I'm good with it. I'm I'm perfectly, perfectly cool with it. Um, so anyway, that's the way I see it, guys. Uh, for tomorrow night, best fight of the night is going to be Jaime Munguia versus Gabe Rosado. Make sure you check that out. That's going to be fun, man. I say, guys, I'm done. I'm, I'm done wrapping to you. Um, that's it. That's it. Uh, Sergio says, David Portnoy, the new GOAT. Okay. Chris Nevergrow Old says, I am too far away. Make the fight on PEI. I don't know what that is. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm out of here. Have a great weekend. Nacho says Mungia KO10. I tend to agree. I think Mungia is going to stop Gabriel Zardo in this fight. All right. So we are on record, Nacho. I'll see you guys Monday. All right. Have a good weekend. See you at the fights. <laughs>